Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip you're about to hear originally aired on my YouTube channel. And before we get into it, you can leave a five-star review. If you can subscribe, download to the podcast, like, and share it, whatever you have to do, I greatly appreciate that. Helps the podcast out a lot. Helps us reach more people. What I would hope is this beneficial content. So welcome and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 5.34 a.m. East Coast time. It is Monday, October 14th, and we're going to cover the one-game showdown slate, $300,000 to first, at least on DraftKings, between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Detroit coming on the road now, off their bye, though, so they have an extended amount of time since this is a Monday night football game to travel to Lambeau Field to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. What we're going to do is we're going to cover all the injuries up front. I'll get into every single one of my plays, one of my smallest player pools ever, similar to the last two slates really now, if you if you include this one into that. Lots of notes on it. A lot of things can go either way based on injuries up until lock, but it seems like we kind of have an idea on where everything is going to land, and I'll break it down from there. So before we get into that, welcome to the channel. If you're new here, this channel, the Twitter, everything has been significantly growing over the past few weeks of the NFL season. So thank you all so much. We crossed 12,000 subscribers this past weekend. Appreciate each and every single one of you. If you want to join the community, it's totally free. You hit that subscribe button. I appreciate you so, so much. Hit the notification bell to get notified of when I drop a video and also when I go live. I will be live tonight at 6.30 p.m. East Coast time for about 45 minutes to an hour before this game. Just a Q&A, answering questions about the Sunday Night Football slate, pre- previewing this Packers Lions matchup um, from a DraftKings perspective and just an overall football perspective. So you can come check that out. Check out down below my exclusive Patreon content. In our first look video, I'm going to give away a lifetime subscription to Patreon. We crossed 200 patrons. We're up to 222 now, I believe. Um, and one of those people who is currently a patron is going to get a random generate, uh, random, uh, randomly generated um, uh, lifetime package. So if you want to be entered into that, you have to become a patron today. So you check that out as well. There's a ton of exclusive content, stuff from last week, all the recaps from the games, watching the accelerated film this morning. It's all going to be on there as, as well as just the shows moving forward, exclusive content, statutes, projections, um, shows, every, everything's over there. So you can check that out as well. Follow me on Twitter at DFS. Follow me like the Facebook page, Salvetri. You can follow me on Instagram, Salvetri. Don't follow my dad. I follow me. I'm not a Dodgers fan. I just like the hat. I like the color. I'm a Yankees fan, actually, um, for the people that are going to comment about it. Um, but yeah, let's get into this slate. We'll start with the, and also remember, hit the subscribe button, check that out for sure. And let's get into the slate and we'll start with the injuries. So um, we'll go through the injuries as we get there, but mainly the defensive injuries, ones that, or offensive linemen, defensive linemen, things like that, ones that people won't really know as much because it's not fantasy football, right? Oh, we're not waiting on an injury from Devontae Adams, right? Where everybody knows about it. It's the guys on the defensive end that actually matter and will impact the game, especially a one game showdown. So that's highly variant. When you don't have skilled defensive players out there, it's going to make it even more variant and a lot, maybe, or maybe more variant, but also more, um, in that sense, uh, easier to figure out where the variants might come from. So with that said, um, from the Packers side of the ball, no Devontae Adams on offense, like we say, um, and Jamal Williams is going to be questionable for this game, but the defensive side of the ball is one that matters. Darnell Savage, their standout rookie, who is arguably one of the top two defensive rookies um, in terms of the rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year race right now, especially in the NFC, probably the number one player. He's going to miss this game, his first miss. Um, so he's going to be out. So that's important. On the Detroit side of the ball, they had their bye, right? They had all this time to get healthy, but TJ Hawkinson, their rookie tight end, they said is truly questionable, but expected to play for this one. Danny Amendola is likely to be back for this one. But then on the defense, <clears throat> likely to be out with be without Mike Daniels. And that's really sad for Mike Daniels because he's coming back to Green Bay. He's a Packer who was cut, one of the last cuts uh, this past offseason. They're likely to be without uh, Mike Daniels, but they're likely to have Quandre Diggs and Darius Slay back. Those are two defensive backs. Diggs is safety. Darius Slay, one of the top cornerbacks in the league, trending downward a little bit, one of the top cornerbacks 
in the league for sure. Those are all the major injuries. Maybe I missed one, but we'll get into it when we get to it. Um, and yeah, so that's the major stuff. We'll cover the rest right now, game by game, my yeses, my maybes, my noes. And the way that I do this is not if you're playing 150. Look, there's gonna be people in here that'll say, oh, how do you have Aaron Rodgers as a no? Yeah, if I was playing 150 lineups, I'd have Aaron Rodgers lineups. I'm trying to um, alter this as if I was playing one lineup in this showdown for many of the people watching this who are only going to put one $10 lineup or two lineups for $20 in. This would be the, the approach that I would do. And keep in mind, we're still 12, 14 hours until lock, 15 really hours until lock. Um, this is all subject to change, which you can get on Patreon. Uh, I have tiers on Patreon. And I'll have the updates to this chart over there as well before lock. Um, so with that said, I'm going to start off with my yeses. Matthew Stafford's too cheap at 9,600. Look, he's going to be a road underdog coming into Green Bay. So that's not a great situation in terms of being on the road. Um, but being a small underdog, at least for fantasy purposes, is good. Now, his team total is only around 20, um, something that's not fantastic. But if you look at the Packers and if you just look at the trends here. So if you're telling me to pick a quarterback and a quarterback's going to be in the winning lineup every four out of five times or on average right around every four out of five times. Well, if you told me I didn't have to pick a quarterback, this game might actually set up like that. If you told me I had to pick a quarterback, it would be Matthew Stafford. You just got an $1,800 price savings um, off of Aaron Rodgers. The guy's averaging 35 pass attempts per game. And we already mentioned that the Packers are without one of their defensive backs for this stout secondary that was kind of carved apart in their last game. Mari Cooper getting loose on Jair Alexander. Michael Gallup getting loose on Kevin King for parts of the game. Matthew Stafford coming off a bye. Uh, I like this spot here. And again, no Darnell Savage in the secondary for the Packers. So they are a little beaten up there. The, the issues are obviously that he's on the road. This Packers pass rush is generating more pressure than anybody in the league. Uh, and that's a bit of a concern. But coming off the bye, if I was to pick one quarterback, uh, I would be Matthew Stafford in this situation. Next up is Carryon Johnson. I don't know what's. I don't know what they're doing with Carryon's price point. I get it that Aaron Jones just went nuclear for 180 total yards, right? 75 in the receiving game, 100, a little over 100 on the ground, four touchdowns on the ground against Dallas. But how is Aaron Jones 2,800 dollars more than Carryon Johnson? Am I missing something? Like he sure Aaron Jones did all that. He still only played 68 percent of the snaps. Like he's still not getting the majority. Well, he's getting the majority of the work, but not the far majority. Carryon Johnson over the last two weeks and the two games that they played really. So over the last three weeks, when you consider the buy, 75% snaps uh, two games ago. And then last game that the Detroit played, he played 70% of the snaps. So he's played 72.3% of the overall snaps exactly over the last two games. That's more than Aaron Rod- or Aaron Jones has played. And that's with factoring in an injury um, to Jamal Williams in that second game to allow Aaron Jones to play about 80% of the snaps. So you're going to get carry on probably playing more snaps, especially with Jamal Williams due back today. Um, you're going to probably get carry on playing more snaps than Aaron Jones in a better matchup. Now, Detroit run defense is going to take a huge hit with no Mike Daniels in there. Uh, but when you also factor in that the Packers run defense has not been that stout, especially when tested. Last week, Zeke doesn't make too much noise, but he only rushes the ball 12 times. He still gets over 60 yards. He was he was easily um, shredding through that Packers defense on his touches that he was actually able to uh, use get the ball. So Karrion Johnson uh, being utilized at 72% snaps over the last two games. He's ran 37 routes over the last two games, which is the third most on his team. Only behind Kenny Galladay, only behind Marvin Jones um, Jr. So it's pretty good to see him that active in the receiving game, staying on the field for more third downs as well. Yeah, Carryon Johnson is probably one of the more mispriced players on this slate in terms of being too cheap. There's mispriced players and being too inexpensive, aka Aaron Jones, um, but there's definitely mispriced price guys being too cheap, and Carryon's one of them. Jay Kumru, 2,800. It's surprising that he's this cheap as well. Um, he played 68% of the snaps. He was the true wide receiver three, right? No Devontae Adams once again. So it's going to be MVS on the outside, Jay Kumru on the opposite. Um, side of the field and then in the slot drawn miles and now there's a good chance jay kumaro can play digs or play against um slay this game if that's the way that it lines up and there's a really good chance that happens now 68 percent of the snaps isn't fantastic but you're probably going to see jay kumaro out there for more than 68 percent of the snaps if i had to guess mainly because 
they they were in a very run heavy script last week. Uh, now that might be the case this week as well, and they're going to probably try to do that because um, I think the Packers uh, covered up a lot of um, I would say what are gaps in their offense with Devontae Adams not there. This is a very thin wide receiver group. It is probably the worst wide receiver group in the league. MBS, Ron Wilson. And Jay Kumro when you do not have Devontae Adams. This is my biggest concern with this team is, look, if you lose Aaron Rodgers, surely it's terrible. But if you lose Devontae Adams, um, it's just as worse in terms of being able to move the ball. They got very, I would say, quote unquote, lucky last week with some short field opportunities and just Aaron Jones being the entire team, 180 of their 200 and change offensive yards. Only four wide receivers caught balls last week on over 30 Rodgers pass attempts, which is just remarkable if you actually think about that. But Jay Kumaro at 2,800, if you're telling me he's going to be on the field for 70 plus percent of the snaps, he ran 25 routes in a game flow that said run heavy when they were up by two to four scores the entire game. Yeah, um, Jay Kumaro is a very good value play, in my opinion. A guy who, if this game stays more neutral and doesn't tip the scale of being up by 14 to 28 like they were last week on Dallas, I do think you're getting a guy under $3,000 who's going to run 30-plus routes, and that's just probably too hard to pass up. Aaron Jones is going to end up being a yes just because of the fact that there's not much depth on this slate. Now, you might think there is because of some injuries to Devontae and some other guys coming back, but we're going we're gonna to get into all of it, as you can see the notes here. But there's not much depth. Aaron Jones is just, he's overpriced, but he's going to have to be where the offense goes through. And again, no Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels was the Packers' best run-stopping player outside of maybe Kenny Clark. Now Mike Daniels on the Lions, and he's not going to be there today. So it's a big gap in the run-stop. Aaron Jones, $11,400. I would expect to still be utilized pretty heavily in the receiving game. Now, Jamal Williams is due back. We'll see how how much they use Jamal Williams. There's a chance Jamal Williams comes right back in and plays around 50% of the snaps, maybe at worst 40 45%. I would expect Jamal Williams to come in and play 40% of the snaps. Aaron Jones has never really been outside of the game that Williams got hurt, a majority, far majority of the snaps type player. Some games he doesn't even get majority of the snaps. Some games it was Williams. Three games ago, Williams saw over 50% of the snaps, and Aaron Jones did not. So the fact that he's $11,400, if you find the money, like if you have the lineup and you feel good about it and you have Aaron Jones in there, maybe you have some money left on the table, then sure, play him. I'm just probably right now, as I say this, leaning to put him more towards a maybe just because of the price point. Like I, I much, much rather play a almost $3,000 cheaper carry on Johnson, who's probably in a better matchup. Um, maybe not as much passing upside work, but probably more snaps. Um, and overall, like we said, the better matchup. So yeah, Aaron Jones for right now, I'm going to put him as a maybe. Look, I get it. I get it that he's probably going to carry the ball uh, more times than not in this game, somewhere around 15 to 18 times, probably going to see somewhere around four to five targets. Uh, and that's as like a median if I had to just off the top of my head say it. Um, but it's a really steep price point for the guy. Um, next up is Kenny Galladay. So Kenny Galladay is actually going to likely benefit and not have to face Jair Alexander. Look, Alexander got torched last week, but he came into that week as a number two cover corner. And for the most part, Amari Cooper has been torching every single corner he's played outside of Marshawn Lattimore. He torched Davian Howard, another shutdown corner who missed this past weekend. And when that happens for Miami, you saw Terry McLaurin go for 102 touchdowns um, and look very dominant actually doing it. But Kenny Galladay, uh, he's likely to face Kevin King. So what happens with the Packers secondary is Kevin King's a taller cornerback. Kevin King is an eh, he's like a meh to... I would say he's an average cornerback, right? He's not terrible. He's not fantastic. Um, but when he's healthy so far, and he's been healthy this year, not healthy the past two seasons, he's been average to good, I guess you can say at best. But Kevin King will play, will play on the taller receiver. So Kenny Galladay is two inches taller than Marvin Jones Jr. So you're going to see Jair Alexander in this one more times than not. And I would expect it guard um, Marvin Jones Jr., which is worse for Marvin Jones Jr. Jair is by far the better cornerback than Kevin King. And it's much better for Kenny Galladay, who at $9,400 is about appropriately priced in my opinion. 
Um, maybe he's two to three hundred dollars too cheap is what I write here, but it seems closer to being appropriately priced. Um, King shut down Alshon Jeffrey a couple weeks ago on Thursday Night Football, but keep in mind, so if somebody wants to reference back to that, keep in mind Alshon was playing on a short week injured. And also, if you look at Alshon Jeffrey this this season, all he's really doing is catching five-yard passes, like like chain-moving passes, and then he's a big red zone body. He is not being targeted downfield. So when you're pretty much just playing a jump ball um, receiver, it's very easy to shut that receiver down because you know what they're going to do. Well, they're going to just be running post or they're going to be running just curl routes. And then in the red zone, they might just post some fades. Like it's not anything that's too challenging as opposed to a guy like Kenny Galladay who can burn you at all parts of the field. So I do like Kenny Galladay today in that matchup. Marvin Jones Jr. We talked about it. Look, he's too cheap at 6,800. But if indeed he does get Jair Alexander, who usually does guard the shorter receivers and Marvin Jones Jr. two inches shorter than Kenny Galladay, like we said, it's a it's a tough matchup. It's a very tough matchup. Now, can he win this matchup? He is taller still, um, decently taller still than Jair. He has a couple inches on Jair Alexander in this one. So yes, he can win this matchup uh, and the price point's fair enough. And again, wide receivers is where, if we're talking just game theory, I guess, if we're talking captain spot, I'd much prefer putting wide receivers in there. They're the far, the far majority of the time out of any of the other positions, the winning captain spot, far more than defense, obviously kicker, far more than quarterback, um, far more than tight end. And then it comes down to wide receivers and running backs and wide receivers just have the higher ceiling on them, right? It's much easier for a wide receiver to hit their ceiling game of a touchdown and over 100 yards than it is for a running back and also there's much more wide receivers to choose from to do that in this game you have realistically two running backs who can go for over 100 and a touchdown or two as opposed to wide receivers in this game that have that realistic chance of doing it well i guess this game's a bad example because of the packers wide receivers but more times than not you're going to have somewhere around four right the top two wide receivers on the team um, on the outsides have the ability to go for 100 yards and a touchdown and in this game they do right mvs has the ability to do that um jay coomer i would say uh, probably does not have the ability to do that but as an outside receiver um he's probably going to make his way into your lineups and and at least has um, deep play upside, as we saw in the preseason last year, a couple times this season, one time in the preseason, and also last year in the regular season, Jay Kumaru caught a touchdown uh, towards the tail end of the season as this year was closing out, caught a deep touchdown as well. So um, I do think that wide receivers are the best play to go to there. MVS, 7,800. Look, I honestly think this is a, an expensive price point on him. Uh, we'll see if he gets Slay. We'll see if Slay ends up going on Jay Kumaru. We'll see what they do with that. If indeed Slay is active, we'll, we'll cover that on the live stream. Be sure to tune back in at 6.30 p.m. If you hit the subscribe button and then you hit the, subscri- and then you hit the, uh, the bell icon, It'll help you out with that one in terms of letting you know exactly when I'm going live. Um, but MVS is nowhere near a number one wide receiver. This is the concern for the Packers, um, as long as Devontae Adams is out. And it seems like they're downplaying how long this is going to take. Devontae Adams was nowhere near playing this week. Never. He never even stepped on the field in practice. So turf toe is something that will linger for at like a month, if not the entire season. And we've seen it with AJ Green having to get surgery, then other injuries just ruining your career at this point. And we'll see how that works out for Green. But it's very scary for Devontae. It seems like they're downplaying this injury. Um, and I don't think he's going to be back next week as well. It seems like a long-term thing that is um, going to be concerning because MVS on most teams is like a wide receiver three. Jaron Wallison on most teams is like a wide receiver four at best. Jay Kumaru does not even make the roster on most teams. The Packers were very bold in not drafting a wide receiver. Um, and this is what it's getting them. It's getting them a de facto number one of uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who at best is like a deep threat option. But when your best wide receiver is a, a boomer bust deep threat option, you're pretty much screwed in the middle of the field for anything short or intermediate. And that's what's happening to the Packers right now. Last week, heavily relied on Aaron Jones, and it worked because they got out ahead very early and their defense forced turnovers. Um, But it it, it seems to be concerning moving forward, and that's the biggest concern with tonight's game. Um, MVS at 7,800. I personally would rather not get to over guys that are similar to, like similar in price and cost. Um, Carry on Johnson for a little bit more. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. is a toss-up. We'll get back to that in tiers later on. 
He's in sort of a pricing tier of his own um, with not many eight and $7,000 players, and he falls right in between the high 8K and low 7K range of Jimmy Graham and on Johnson. So it, it's sort of a, not to, it's, it's not a spot that I'm trying to prioritize or get to all that much. That being said, though, more times than not today, um, he only caught one ball. He only had four targets in the last game. They didn't have to throw that much, and they didn't have to really force it to the outsides. I think more times than not, you see six-plus targets for Marquez Valdez-Scanling, and if he gets closer to 8 to 10, it's a pretty good um, opportunity for the price tag on him. He will run 30-plus routes tonight. Jimmy Graham at $7,000. Look, Jimmy Graham was, like, outside of Aaron Jones, like, the, the leading receiver on this team last week, and, again, a tight end. He caught, what, three balls for 40-something yards, and I imagine he's still the primary option in the middle of the field. In theory, it should be Geronimo Allison, but we'll get to Allison. He's been brutal this year, and now he has a brutal matchup. Jimmy Graham in the middle of the field uh, is probably the Packers' best threat in terms of just moving the sticks, right? Your, your eight-yard passes, your 10-yard passes, even in the red zone as well, he'll probably be the number one priority. So Jimmy Graham at $7,000. I do prefer Jimmy Graham to MVS. It seems scary because, sure, MVS has the quick strike ability, but if we're just talking consistency through the whole game, um, especially in the red zone, I think Jimmy Graham is the number one target for this team. Packers defense, look, you're at home as a favorite. Um, yes, the Lions are coming off a bye. I probably don't get to the Packers defense, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to definitely choose the home favorite as opposed to the road underdog in the Lions that are going up against Aaron Rodgers, who has the lowest touchdown to interception ratio in NFL history. Um, so yeah, I'll take the Packers defense there. That being said, though, probably not going to get to them too much. The main reason I do like them, though, is outside of being a home favorite, they generate pressure. In terms of prediction or predicting fantasy points, sure, you can you can look at bad QBs. Home favorites is a good way to look. They check that box. But then also generating pressure. Pressure forces turnovers. Pressure gets sacks, obviously, so there's fantasy points there directly correlated. But it also forces turnovers. Turnovers, obviously, sometimes will lead to your six-point pick sixes or fumble recoveries for six or, or blocked kicks, whatever it might be. So that's why the Packers at $5,000, albeit probably overpriced for this matchup, they are intriguing because of their ability to force turnovers because of their ability to gain pressure. Now, they are not going to have Darnell Savage, which is a some, so somewhat concerning in terms of locking down the secondary, um, but not as much of a concern as missing one of their pass rushers, in my opinion. Lastly, in terms of a maybe, and this guy is really, I don't even think I like him either, but I had a player pool of nine players so i had to get a little bit more and obviously again if you're playing 20 lineups or 150 lineups tonight don't be going sitting here and going you're only playing 10 players no no this is if you're entering one to two lineups this is sort of the way that i'm looking at it right now if i was to enter another 50 lineups tonight i would add in kickers i would add in defenses i would add in aaron Rodgers, of course uh, some other players in here right but TJ Hawkinson battling a scary concussion. They're saying that he practiced in full on, I believe, Saturday or Friday, Friday, and then I think there was a travel day, whatever it was. He, the last practice, he practiced in full, um, but he's still not cleared to play, but they're expecting him to be cleared to play. So he's still listed as questionable for this game. Um, but I'm not even sure if I'm interested. Like the price tag of 5,400, Look, week one, he ran like 30-something routes, but that game was a highly paced game, the highest pace that Detroit will play at all season against Arizona. And then not only was the pace high, he went into overtime. Since then, in week two and week three, he averaged about 20 routes run. He gets injured in the last game when he was on pace for about 20 routes run. And then he doesn't play the week after that. So, or they have the bye as well. So if you're telling me that I'm going to get like 20 to 22 routes run out of TJ Hawkinson, who's coming off a very scary injury. So maybe they slowly work him back in. We'll see at 5,400. I don't know. I just don't know about that. And look, the Packers defense has not really been tested all that much with really good tight ends. They played Zach Ertz on Thursday night football, and they were able to somewhat contain him. Zach Ertz had like a, a, a median game, not a ceiling, not a floor game, right around a median type of a game. Um, but they also double teamed Zach Ertz in that game uh, for parts of it with no Deshaun Jackson still. So I don't know how to really judge it. They faced Kyle Rudolph. They faced uh, Adam Shaheen week one, right? They haven't faced any a, any really quality tight ends. They faced Noah Font, a rookie. So it's really hard to judge the Packers defense, um, especially when the only good tight end and really good tight end in Zach Ertz that they played, um, they double team. So it's tough to judge that right now. Um, I don't think we really realistically can. 
Um, but it's also hard to judge TJ Hawkinson. Week one, he goes off, but it was a very skewed game that went to overtime. Very skewed game against, we now know, they terrible as, as Austin Hooper goes for another ceiling game against the Cardinals defense. Terrible defense against the tight end position. And it also was a very fast-paced game. Since then, TJ Hawkinson hasn't really done that much except um, have a very bad hit. So yeah, I'm very thin on TJ Hawkinson. 20 routes for 5,400 doesn't sound great, especially when you're telling me Jay Coomer was going to run 30-plus routes for 2,800, right? Things like that. Okay, now to some of my no's that I'm sure people have interest in, and I'll just kind of give an example why. And again, if I'm entering a ton of lineups, I'll probably have them in there, small pieces, but if I'm entering one to three lineups, probably don't. Geronimo Allison's a no for me. He's just too expensive in my opinion. Like, I would rather have TJ Hawkinson in $4,000 less. Geronimo Allison is running primarily out of the slot this year. When he was having success last year, he was running on the outside and he was beating players. Now he's having trouble in the slot, which is actually kind of concerning, but maybe it's just a preference thing. Maybe it's just did not fully develop that skill of working out of the slot. And the Packers don't have a true slot wide receiver after losing Randall Cobb um, to, to the Cowboys, right? Um, so they're, they're having very lengthy receivers on the field, which is good. But in terms of being nimble and getting open in the slot, it's not that great, right? You can't get hidden from the defense. You can't quickly um, outrun sometimes linebackers and mainly just slot cornerbacks that are much worse. Now, John Mollison who's had a down year so far. And you might look at the box score and go, Sally has two touchdowns. Well, week one um, or week two, it was Aaron Rodgers completely threw him open. Uh, that, that was that was all of Aaron Rodgers throwing him open. Most quarterbacks, if you make that throw, it's picked off, but Aaron Rodgers threw him open. It was a fantastic throw. And then against the Eagles, his second quarterback, uh, second touchdown, if you saw any of Stefan Diggs' touchdowns this weekend and some of them wide open, Eagles defense just loses John Mollison in the end zone. He's wide open. But in terms of forcing consistent separation, John Mollison has not been there. He has a couple of drops in the year. I like John coming into this year. I'm and actually I'm a Packers fan, um, but he has looked bad. Now, can he turn it around? Sure. But at the price tag of 6,400, and now you're telling me that John Mollison is going to have to face a matchup with Coleman in the slot, who's been one of the better slot receivers in the entire league so far this year. It's scary. It's scary when you have a guy who is not excelling and not showing his talent. Um, and then you have Coleman, who's just been shutting guys down. It's very scary. Now, I will say, though, when you enter the red zone, in my opinion, it's probably Aaron Ro- or um, it's probably Jimmy Graham and then Jordan Allison as your red zone targets. MVS is not the greatest of red zone targets. Jake Kumaro definitely is not. And if you're telling me that running backs are your tight end targets, sure, little dump offs can be. But in terms of prioritizing a player around the red zone and scheming for them, it's probably Jimmy Graham. And then it's probably John Wilson. So there's upside there. And I will say that uh, Aaron Rodgers at $11,600. Again, if you're entering like two to three lineups, it's just really hard for me to get here. Look, you're a home favorite in a game without Devontae Adams and all these wide receivers that I was just naming and how bad they are relative to other teams, number one, number twos, and number threes. Your most consistent piece is potentially a washed up Jimmy Graham, right? I think he's looked better this year than he did last year, but potentially a washed up Jimmy Graham in terms of your intermediate um, level of the field to get to. That's a little bit concerning. Uh, and now you have a team coming off of a bye, albeit an underdogs coming into your house, a team coming off a bye without Mike Daniels. And it makes sense to just try and run the ball. You get Jamal Williams back. Just makes sense to try and run ball short passes. Um, Aaron Rodgers at 11,600. He has to do a lot to pay that tag off. Now we know he has the rushing upside. He can get 40 yards on the ground. Maybe he gets in the end zone that can help repay that tag off. But more times than not, saving $2,000 for Matthew Stafford and a script for Matthew Stafford that says throw the ball more, right, as an underdog on the road. Um, and now there's no Darnell Savage in the secondary for the Packers. I just like Matthew Stafford there, and I really don't want to play two quarterbacks anyways. Um, so I'm going to get to Matthew Stafford more times than not if entering a limited amount of lineups. Aaron Rodgers at that price tag. It's just really, really hard to see him um, being able to have success. I'm very concerned. Like if you're if you're a sports better, and look, I don't really bet sports all that much um, in terms of betting on the lines, especially at this point, if you're going to take my advice, um, you're probably too late. The lines are probably too solid and the market's too efficient. So you're automatically losing money, even if you don't actually lose the bet in terms of um, expected value. Um, you're losing money because you're placing that bet so late. And the, and the market is, is, is as bad as it gets for you. If you continue to bet games right before they start or the day of that they start, you're betting on a very tight market and you have no edge. So you're pretty much losing your money all the time. And that's why the, the casinos win millions of dollars. So for the sports bettors out there, uh, try and get try and bet the opening lines. That's your best probably opportunity to actually win. Um, but 
if I was betting this game, I'd probably choose the under. I think it's like a 44 and a half. It seems like a low total. I'd probably still choose the under. I don't know which way the juice is going. I don't know if it's already pushed the game under. But this, this Packers offense, I'm very concerned about. Um, and then the Packers defense, we know is pretty good at home. Uh, it could stall some of Detroit. So I like the under here, but again, not a sports better. Jamal Williams coming back at 5,200. I'd actually, if he is healthy and it seems like he's going to play, I'd actually expect him to play somewhere around 35 to 40% of the snaps at least, right? We saw last week Trey Carson play 32% of the snaps. They trusted that kid. Um, they definitely did not trust Dexter Williams, who's just been shot out now. They don't want anything to do with Dexter Williams. Uh, even in the preseason, they draft this rookie and then they let him play in the preseason. They don't like what he was doing. The coach says bad things about how he can't learn the playbook and how he's, he's been not lazy, but just not showing much um, enthusiasm around learning it. And then they make him healthy and active, a healthy scratch. But now Jamal Williams is back um, at 5,200. Yeah, there's, there's the opportunity that he can come in and play 50% of the snaps and just ruin Aaron Jones, which is another reason I don't have a ton of interest in Aaron Jones, um, but also just not much interest in Jamal Williams at that price tag. Danny Amendola, no real interest here. Look, I was on Tremont Williams' case early because week one, he was giving up catches to Allen Robinson, who was getting pushed into the slot to specifically target 36-year-old oldest defensive back in the league, Tremont Williams. Week two, he gives up a, he gets burned. He gets cooked by Chad Beebe for a 61-yard catch and run. Since then, though, he hasn't done, given up anything. In total, he's only given up seven catches for five yards or seven catches um, through five games so far this season. And the far majority of those were weeks one and week two, more than half of those. So it's pretty good to see Tremont Williams being sort of a, a shutdown player in the slot. Um, you saw, though, it's a little bit skewed. Like you saw Jair Alexander shadow Nelson Aguilar in the one game. So you had just Tremont Williams just roaming around the field and not really playing in the slot all that much because Jair went into the slot against Nelson Aguilar. Some things are a little bit skewed, but with Danny Amendola expected back for this game, which is going to push Marvin Hall, who saw extended snaps last week, around 38%. And some people will see that and go, Oh, I'm going to play um, $1,200 Marvin Hall and have a good game. No, Marvin Hall is going to go back to playing like no snaps to like five snaps. Um, if Danny Amendola is back for this game, 4,600, it's an interesting price point. I guess I can put an X by it, but Tremont Williams has been very lights out. Again, five receptions or seven receptions through five games so far. And Amendola is just not on the field a ton. This Detroit team likes to run a lot of two wide receiver sets with a single back formation um, or, or an I formation. Uh, and then from there, that's just the way that they run their offense. Um, they don't run a ton of 11 personnel. Now, if they're trailing in this game, they'll run a little bit more, but it maybe gets Danny Amendola on the field for 50% of the snaps in a not great matchup coming off an injury. So Amendola at 4,600, maybe it's a little bit too cheap. Maybe since I don't have a ton of players in my player pool, I should put Amendola as an X. I guess to end this video, we can just put Amendola as an X, um, but I'll be honest with you. I don't like the matchup for him. I don't like the fact that he's coming off of an injury. Um, it's not great overall. Uh, the rest of it, you can see my 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 um, my my automatic reply for the kickers questions. Look, I, I write here. Kickers are always fine to get to. Here's here's the the quote. Right, it's like a commercial. Kickers are always fine to get to, but you have to get ten plus points from them to be live the far majority of the time. Unlikely outcome there, um, but they're okay to get to. Only play one though. There you go. That's that's a kicker statement. Detroit defense, no real interest. Ty Johnson, uh, no real interest. 20% of the snaps the last two games. 1,800, don't want to pay for that. The, the interesting player down here is J.D. McKissick. He played 35% of the snaps in their last game. I'm not really sure why. He was on the field. I don't know if he was on the field playing as a fullback or they just had a ton of two running back sets because you had Ty Johnson playing about 20%. You had Kerryon Johnson playing about 70%. And then you still had another running back in McKissick playing 35%. And he had six total touches for 41 yards. He ran only seven routes, but he had two targets on those seven routes. So I think it's a little bit of a fluke. Uh, $1,000, it's interesting, but like that six touches is a ceiling for him. Um, and out of that six touches, he scored 6.1 fantasy points, which is good, right? Um, he, or or he, he scored 5.1 fantasy points, 41 yards in a reception. But that's like his ceiling. So if you're telling me you're going to pay $1,000 and more times than not, you get like two points out of him. I just don't want to do it. Like, I think you just missed his ceiling game last week. And it's crazy that his ceiling is only six points, but it's true on that many snaps and that many routes run. 
I'm not going to try and get cute and play Mercedes Lewis. People are going to always, people always get into the comments and they're trying to find the one player that can, and it makes sense, like bink them a tournament. They just don't realize that it doesn't really happen all that often. You just remember when it happens when the $200 player um, wins somebody a tournament like Rob, Robert Tony on last year on Thursday night football catches like a 50 yard touchdown from Rogers against Seattle. People remember that stuff, but they don't remember the other 95% of the time that a $200 player or $800 player doesn't win you a tournament. Um, sure, if they're in a very good spot, um, like we saw last week or this the last showdown site we just um, saw with Red Allison because of injuries, then that makes sense. But there's nothing here that really makes me want to get there. Mercedes Lewis has ran 31 routes over the last four weeks. 31 routes over the last four weeks. You tell me you want to play that? You want to play eight route run a week in Mercedes Lewis? And I like Mercedes Lewis, but he's being very utilized as a run blocker. And now some of that might be skewed due to last week being in a very run heavy format. Um, but again, they're home favorites here. So why not? Why don't you think that's going to be the case again, primarily as a blocker? And this is my favorite one. This is my favorite one that everybody always says on every single one of these showdown slates. Look, I'm a Packers fan. I'm a huge Robert Tonyan fan. They was hyped up in the preseason and they just don't play the guy. I don't know. They should play maybe more 12, maybe more 12 personnel today with not many receivers. That makes sense. But then that's going to lead to a lot more running. But Robert Tonian ran four routes last week, caught one ball for 23 yards. Um, so he ran four routes last week, 27 routes combined over the last four weeks. So on average, he's running nine routes a game. Um, he's running, he's running only seven routes a game over the last four weeks, over the last month of the season. I just don't want to pay for that. Again, it's $200. You're not paying much, but you're going to get Robert Tony on more times than not in this game, especially if he's used to block more. But Mercedes Lewis, he's the third string tight end, guys. Um, come on now. Uh, if he catches one ball for 10 yards for you, that's like above expectation, in my opinion, for the amount of routes he's running. And that's two fantasy points. I'm not sure two fantasy points from a $200 player is winning you anything. I'm not even sure three is winning you anything. Four is when it starts to get, maybe it starts to win you something. But even then, he hasn't been able to do that all that much. So no real interest there. Um, so for the people who want to play these players like Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tonyan, I think they're both good tight ends, especially for depth, second and third string tight ends. If the Packers go more 12 personnel, they're going to be on the field more, which will lead to more opportunities for them in the receiving game if they indeed run routes and don't run the ball nonstop. So I'm not saying it's not a bad play. I'm not saying it's not an impossible play. I am saying, though, it is probably a bad play for these guys combined, um, only averaging around seven routes run per week over the last month of the season. It's just, it's just really thin. So that's where I'm at right now. It's a player pool. It's a, it's a small player pool of about 11 players. But again, if you're entering a ton of lineups, you're going to add kickers in there for sure. You're probably going to add um, even Aaron Rodgers in there, maybe even the Lions defense just to get something else in the, in the mix. Um, I guess the one guy I didn't touch on too much was Jesse James. He's still probably going to see 45% of the snaps with Hawkinson back. But when Hawkinson plays and starts, uh, Jesse James only uh, runs about 11.3 routes per game so far this season. I like Jesse James, former Pittsburgh Steeler, former um, Nittany Lions. Shout out, we are Penn State. Um, but yeah, Jesse James, $1,400. Now you're paying more for the same type of production you're getting out of Mercedes Lewis in terms of running around eight to 10 routes per game, pretty much. So that's where I'm at. Hopefully this video helps people out there. You can follow me on Twitter at SalVetroDFS. I'll be on the Osmo um, channel on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 11 a.m. I'll be on the Pat Mayo experience today, depending on when you're watching this at 1 p.m. East Coast time. If you're watching this after 1 p.m., which many people probably will because the game doesn't start till later on, you can check out the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. You can check out uh, me on there uh, if you would like to support. Hit the subscribe button. Check out my exclusive content over on Patreon if you would like. Um, and yeah, that is it for me, gang. My name is Sal. I'll be back at 6.30 p.m. East Coast time tonight to cover this slate. I'll take more of a Q&A approach to it. Last second questions on the Monday Night Football slate, $300,000 to first. Thank you for tuning in. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.